Hey friends, welcome into the Render Podcast. I'm your host, Cam, and we are continuing along in our newest series called In Conversation With. In this series, we're focusing on connecting with other business owners in the events industry and chatting through all of our successes, our failures, networking, navigating your clients, and what we've done to overcome these obstacles along the way. So listen into today's episode. All right. Hi, friends. It's Cam with the Render Podcast, and I'm so excited to be back with one of my good friends in the industry, Christy Varner. We have had her on the podcast before, so if you've been a longtime listener of the Render Podcast, you probably remember listening to an episode or two with her on it. And so I'm excited to have her back. We are talking finances because she is the queen of it. And so, Christy, will you tell our guests, if they haven't heard a podcast with you in the past, or maybe they have, give them a little refresher on who you are and maybe what you're doing nowadays. Awesome. Well, I am so excited to be here. I love being on your podcast. So thank you for having me back again, sweet Cam. Um, So just to um, tell you, my official bio would tell you that I am a 30-year CPA who's worked with small businesses, helping them achieve their goals. And I'm an entrepreneur and a speaker and a fractional CFO. But the more important thing that I think um, you care about and your listeners probably care about is my unofficial background. And that is that I'm an accidental accountant, which simply means that, yes, I am a CPA and I have all those qualifications. But I really fell in love with accounting when I realized that it was the language of business and that those numbers really can drive decisions to help small business owners achieve their goals. And that is the reason that I stay doing what I do. I love helping business owners achieve their goals and um, the numbers really can help us do that. And if you don't know how to read your business finance numbers, it makes it a lot harder. And so for whatever reason, I know how to read those and I understand them. And so um, I'm pretty passionate about that. And then the other thing I would say is that I'm all about simple. So I, um, I speak the accounting jargon with accounting people, but in Um, With my clients, I just use everyday words and relatable analogies. And so that's, that's what I love. And that's about me. Awesome. Well, I'm so excited that you're here. And we are talking about strategies, not necessarily hope and how we make a profit as small businesses. And the whole goal, and we all know this as business owners, is to make a profit. We want to bring home money. That's why we got into business. We didn't get in business just to have a hobby and just to, you know, have a little pat on your back of like, yes, I did something and I'm worthy of something. I'm worthy of success. But we got into business because we probably have goals and we have dreams and we have vacations or homes or um, financial goals that we want to accomplish on our own. And maybe we didn't find that in corporate America, or maybe we didn't find that in whatever we did prior to having our own business. And business is tough work. You know this very well. Most of our listeners know this very well. Business is tough work. And finding out what that strategy is to turn a profit versus just have a bleeding of cash and not being able to make a profit is really, really tough. And I think the last few years, if you've been in business longer than four or five years, we found out what that was like the hard way because of COVID and the effects that we felt as business owners. And a lot of us are still coming off of some of those years and trying to navigate which way is up and which way is down and 
and which way is sideways because of all the crazy turnovers within the economy and within just the events industry in general um, and what happens in that area. And so we're going to talk a little bit today on what um, hope versus strategy is when it comes to profit. And so I'm excited to sit down with you and, and talk about what that looks like. I love that. I'm super excited about that too. And you said so many things that I was just like, yes, yes, yes. Um, one thing that I just wanted to say that really resonated for me was that, um, first of all, like, can we just holla for live events being back? Oh my gosh. I'm so thankful to be back, back to live events. So thank you to you and your whole industry for making that, um, be reality for us. But, um, I am in the midst of helping my daughter uh, plan a wedding. And, you know, being in the event industry, planning a wedding is much more involved than you might think. And there are so many things. And the vision that my daughter has for her wedding and the joy that we want to experience in this journey are not going to happen just by chance. And that makes sense to you because you're in the event industry and you know that fabulous events don't just happen. They take a plan and some simple strategies. And what I want you to know is that that same mindset that you have around planning a successful event, that's how we plan for profit. Hope is not a strategy in business. It's not a strategy in planning a wedding. It's not a strategy in planning a live event. And hope is not a strategy for increasing the profit in your business, but with a plan and simple strategies, it's totally possible. It gets me excited because I'm like, you already have the skills. You already have the skills. If you are successful at running your business, producing live events, this is no different. We're just going to take those skills and we're going to tweak them a little bit and make them be about money and profit. And before you know it, you are going to be... reaching out to me and telling me how much more profitable you are. And I'm going to be cheering you on all the way. Yeah. And I love how you relate that into planning an event, whether you're planning a wedding for a loved one or yourself or a, a child of yours, or even if you are planning this massive event, we just came off of ourselves, the ACM awards, which um, was so fun to see the back behind the scenes work that it takes to produce a television event like that. Not only our role in making the dressing rooms look really great and the after party and the red carpet and all these pre-parties and pre-functions that went into the actual award show of what you saw on Amazon Prime where you may have watched it or you can go back and watch it now. But seeing um, the back end production of the entire thing, they had semi trucks coming in in 15 minute increments to unload everything to set up this massive stage. And it was fun for me because I don't do production like that. I just make people look good and I make their spaces look good. And so every day I did one of those 360, like I moved around in a 360 um, circle and took a video of what each day of that production in that main room looked like. And every single day, because they were working 24 hours a day, they had different shifts. They had the overnight and the daytime shift of getting it all put together, it was so cool to see what that was like because I knew on the backside 
of the dock, they had 15-minute increments of these massive semi-trucks that were unloading all of this production equipment. And if you watched the ACMs, you saw multiple different ways where they would raise up a screen and lower a screen for each performance to be happening simultaneously. And that takes a lot of cords, a lot of LED panels, (laughs) and a lot of people to make that work. And so if I thought, hey, let's hope that this works out really well, there's no way it would, it would work out because they had to the second, literally to the millisecond, whose role was doing what. They had down from like, um, you know, 9 p.m. and 59 minutes and 39 seconds, literally to the like millisecond of who was doing what. And then they even had little blocks that said, meanwhile, while this is happening, meanwhile, this is happening behind the scenes. And this person is in this dressing room changing for this performance. Meanwhile, this thing is happening on the stage. And this person over here is doing this while all of these things are happening. And that was all strategy. You had to put a lot of planning in to make that happen. And that was just the TV side of it. And that was just the production side of it. Then our team had our own timelines of Dolly Parton's room, her dressing room needs to be done on this day. Then we're bringing in all the supplemental pillows and rugs and all of these things on this day. Then we're bringing in her floral arrangements. Then she's loading in her dresses and then she's loading in her shoe collection and then she's loading in her um, uh, hair and makeup stations and all these little things. And that's just one of the performers, arguably probably the biggest performer because she's a legend. But nevertheless, every single performer had their own dressing room with a whole bunch of details on how it happened. And there were so many things throughout the whole week. And we were a very small portion of what happened that week. But that is an incredible example into you can't just hope that it turns out great. I can't just hope that my people on my team show up for their shift. I can't just hope that our marketing strategies that we're putting out is going to result in people reaching out to us. It's because of our Google SEO and the blog posts and the content that we produce, which is why the ACMs even reached out to us. So there are strategies that help your business in staffing and marketing and sales and the operations and how you actually perform your things. But like you're saying, and sometimes, unfortunately, this gets put on the back burner. There also is strategy in how you turn a profit and not just spend, spend, spend while you bring in money all the time, you know, back to back to back deposits and balances being paid, but there has to be some sort of a strategy in how we marry those two things together alongside all of the other strategies that we're doing within our businesses. But a lot of times the hope factor does roll in for our finances because we're so focused on the marketing, we're so focused on the sales, we're so focused on the operations, we're so focused on the SEO, we're so focused on hiring, we're so focused on um, nurturing the people that do work for us. And we forget there has to be strategy, not just hope and not just trusting that things are going to run as is on the finances side of our business, which is why I love having you on to remind us of those things because it's easy to forget because of all the other things that we have on our plates. First of all, just huge congrats for getting um, the ACM Awards. That was I was so proud of you, my friend, when I saw that you were doing that. So so cool, and um, 
I hope that your listeners look at that and listen to this and understand that this didn't happen overnight, but this was, you know, this is lots of, you know, hard, consistent day in, day out work, but it's absolutely possible, right? Like it's just, it's so encouraging um, to see that. And I was so like, so absolutely cheering you on seeing that um, Thurinder got to do that. So yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it was almost 11 years of business Yeah, to get to that point. Yeah. But I mean, but I hope people can hear it over the last 11 years. Yes. Yeah. And I had to, I had to fail a lot over the last 11 years to figure out how to do it in a way and attract that type of business to not fail too terribly like I have in the past. Yeah. Well, certainly there's things that didn't go well and there's certain things that we learned from that we're going to do better the next time. But um, yeah, I mean, it doesn't happen overnight. You're right. Yeah, it and just it makes a lot me so of strategy proud. to attract them. Absolutely. And I love working um, with event professionals because, um, first of all, I love creatives. So I, I love that side of um, just the fun, the, the fun thinking that creatives have. But the event professionals are kind of um, an interesting mix to me because you have to have the creative brain. But man, if you don't also have that uh, plan things out, you won't be in business for long enough. So um, I laugh that, you know, it's it's easy for me to share the importance of strategy and planning with um, the event industry because you guys get it. Like if things aren't planned right, things don't go right. So um, yeah, I love that. Right. I love that. Well, um, so today I was thinking that I would share with you guys a story um, about an experience I had with my teens that I think will help you understand about profit a little bit. So uh, one Friday night, I had three teenagers. Uh, They were home, as were um, some friends of theirs, and I was super hungry. So we ordered pizza because I was being lazy and everybody loves pizza. And um, the pizza came to the door. And you know how you can just like taste the pizza when you're carrying the box because it smells so good and you're hungry and you're ready to eat. And I was carrying that pizza into the kitchen. And then I did what we, you know, we as moms, certainly we as moms in the South are supposed to do, which is let company go first. So I put the pizza on the counter, called the kids in to get their pizza Um, they came in, you know, thanked me. Yum, yum, yum. Thank you, Mrs. Barner. Love it. Great. You know, I felt so happy, um, that I had provided that to them. And then they left the kitchen and I was so thankful because I was so hungry and I went in to get my pizza and how many slices do you think were left for me, Cam? Well, it sounds like probably zero. Because I know teenagers and I grew up with three brothers. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. No pizza left. Um, anyway, and so that was a very super disappointing evening because there was no pizza left. I told you I love the relatable analogies. I was like, I'm going to use this. So I want to share with you some stories, um, how that story has helped me illustrate about profit. So first of all, just to back up for a minute, um, the accounting formula for profit is really simple. It's revenue minus expenses equals profit. And literally, those are still accounting words. So let me just back up further 
revenue is just the money you make from selling what you sell. So if you, you know, sell tacos and that's, you know, the amount of money you made selling the tacos, um, expenses, everything it took to sell the tacos, and then you end up with profit. And we'll have to do another talk another time, Cam, about becoming a profit pro because that's one of my favorite topics. But um, you want to be a profit pro. So cash is critical for your business. Um, after you get your cash managed, you want to be a profit pro. And once you figure out why profit is so crazy critical um, and so cool, then it becomes contagious. But let's just assume that you already um, know in your life how cool profit is and you want more of it. So if revenue minus expenses equals profit, you can see there's only three pieces that we can even talk about. So if we want to increase profit, I boil it down to three strategies. Um, the first is what would have happened with our pizza example if I had just taken the first slice myself? Literally, what if I had just been like, before I call those kids, I'm going to take a slice of pizza? Um, they wouldn't really have noticed, right? Because it's just one less slice or two less slices. So in the same way in your business, you can take profit first. Um, there's a book by that name called Profit First. If you have not read it, I encourage you to read it. I also encourage you not to get overwhelmed by it. Um, some people do get overwhelmed. It's a little bit over the top in my view of like a bazillion different accounts, but the philosophy behind it is really, really good. And that's what I want to explain to you today. So in this so for this strategy, if revenue minus expense equals profit, then revenue minus profit equals expense. So what that means is that say you take an event and, um, you know, you're going to get $1,000 in revenue for it. And you start planning out like what your costs are going to be, right, to, to manage that and how you're going to pay your payroll and your salaries and all the things. What if instead of being like, we've got a thousand dollars to play with, what if you took a percentage right off the top? Like, let's just say that you took one percent of that. So you took ten dollars and you were like, okay, it's really only a nine hundred ninety dollar project now. And then you worked with all your vendors and your suppliers and your whatever, right? Could you make it work with $990 instead of $1,000? Uh, my guess is yes. I mean, you are resilient. Your listeners are resilient. You could make that work. You just would, right? Like, oh, there's only $990. Okay, we'll make it work. What that does for you is it gives you profit right off the bat, right? You just you just took the profit first. You took the first slice of pizza. And what that does is, first of all, it makes you profitable, and I'm telling you, there is some swagger to saying every project we take is profitable, right? Like, did you just feel that that mindset shift of like, we don't lose money on anything because all you did was take 1%. So it's not the dollars, but it, it becomes incredibly motivating. It becomes something, and once you take 1%, then the next project you're like, 
feel like I could have done that with 20 less dollars or 30 less dollars. And so you start to, you, you gamify it, right? Instead of being like, it's got to be 1%, like you, I'm going to work off 2%. I'm going to work off 3%. And, you know, in your industry, depending on which, you know, um, part of the industry you're in, like there's different profit percentages that you want to go for. But if you're running at a loss right now, start with 1%. I'm telling you, there's a huge game change to saying that you're profitable. Um, and literally, it's it's that simple down to take the first slice of pizza. I love that. I think that's really important because because there's a lot of cost between your payroll, between your product cost, between um, where you office your stuff at, whether it's a warehouse or an actual office or maybe even your home, we forget to give ourselves a profit. We forget to give ourselves something. And so then we're working another job to make it work because we have expenses and we've got rent or a mortgage and car payments and all that. And so if you take care of yourself first and your team first, then we can figure out how do we make it work with everything else or how do we raise our, raise our prices to make it work? Yeah. Well, and that's the next thing. Um, that's the strategy number two. So strategy number two is what else could I have done? I could have ordered the extra large pizzas instead of the large, or I could have ordered a second pizza because, you know, we only have three things to play with revenue, expenses, and profit. So we've already talking about, talked about taking the first slice. So this example is, you know, order more pizza, right? Which is increase your revenue. So that's another way to increase your profit. Um, and I want to share um, an idea that actually came from Rachel Hollis, which is how Cam and I first met many, many years ago, um, called Idea Soup. I don't know if you remember this, Cam, but I use it with all of my clients. So Idea Soup is essentially solving a problem. Um, you just get out. So if you are the type that is like action step taker, listen, because I'm giving you an actual action step. So and I'm going to give you four different ideas for how to increase your pizza size. So the first is Idea Soup. So start with a blank piece of paper. And write down, how could I increase my sales? How can I how can I get more revenue? How can I make an extra large pizza out of my large pizza? And you literally write every idea that comes to mind. You don't evaluate whether or not it's a good idea. You just write it down. Because it's a whole scientific thing that your subconscious brain starts then solving for that. You start coming up with more and more creative ideas. And you could even do this with, you know, um, someone on your team, ask them to help you because they're going to have different ideas. And we're not looking for right ideas. We're just looking for ideas. Um, you could ask your spouse, you could ask whomever to help you and you write these ideas down and then you walk away. So you walk away from that list and that allows your subconscious brain to start solving for that problem. And you will find that when you're walking through Target, when you're driving your car, when you're in the shower, you'll be like, oh, that's another idea. Oh, that's another idea. So you start writing all those down. And then after, you know, whatever period of time you want to give yourself, like you can give yourself a day or a week or an hour, whatever you want to do. Um, I usually give myself a day because I like to get stuff done and be done with things. 
um, you come back to that list and now you have a long list and you evaluate that list. And I usually say pick three. So just pick three things from that list that make the most sense, not only that um, would help you achieve your goal, so of increasing revenue in this example, but are also doable. So that's just one. And literally, then go implement those ideas. Like take that revenue soup idea and go implement it. You will be amazed at how much more creative you will become just by solving for that. The second is um, Credo's principle. And that is um, the whole principle that 20% of your customers are providing 80% of your revenue. And that might not be true, but, you know, again, mathematically, this holds, historically, this holds. So looking back at your clients and trying to figure out who are the clients that have brought in the most money for you. And not that we're not going to treat every single client well, because we are, but you don't have to treat them all equally. You can give more. You can give more attention to those clients that you love working with and are helping you bring in more money. And, you know, going back to those clients and figuring out who they are and how you can serve them better and what you can do to, um, increase your revenue with those clients because it's so much easier to have a repeat customer than to have to find a new customer. Um, so I would encourage you to do that. If you don't know who your top five customers were for 2022 or who your top five customers will be for 2023, if you're the type that you have um, everything already planned out, then go look at that. You should absolutely do that. Um, the third idea is referrals. We all know this. Word of mouth is king, but golly, we get behind in asking for them, right? Telling people what you need, going to somebody that you love and saying, gosh, Kim, I really enjoyed working with you. Are there other people that you know that I could be helpful to? Like some, that is so like simple, but remember I'm all about simple business. We sometimes over complicate, like that is a way to, you know, supersize your pizza, ask for the referral. And then the last one is simply upsell, literally like, and Cam, you have figured out like how to, you know, when you see a pain point that your client has. Like, I love that, you know, you have florals in addition, right? Because you saw like, oh, the person that needs a couch to rent also probably needs florals. Also probably, like, so figuring out how to bundle more things together, it's so much easier once we've said yes to one thing to say yes to the next thing. And those are all simple things, but they will all increase your pizza size by increasing revenue. Well, in the upsell, you don't have to be so salesy with it. In our quotes, we call it popular add-ons. Yes. And we frame it in a way that's like, hey, I noticed that you had these things and these are things that other people have also rented in the past. Just thought you should know about it. And so we 
suggestively sell those things without necessarily saying these are upsells or these are suggestive add-ons. We just say, here's a popular add-on that other people who have been in your shoes have added on in the past. And nine times out of 10, someone adds that on. And then going back to your 80-20 rule, sometimes we take it based on client but then you also, in the event rental world, can take it based off of your products. Mm. That 20% of your products pay for 80% of your revenue. Yes. And so that can be by category, or you can even get it even tighter by pieces within a category. But we know for our company, our lounge areas over time have been one of the key players to our revenue. And so we can say, all right, let's put more marketing towards those pieces. Maybe we need to show them off in different ways. Maybe we need to increase the quantities that we have in those areas. Maybe we need more sofas and more chairs because that is something that is a popular rental item. And so even if you take your 2022, what was my 20% categorically best performing items and how can I increase that this year? Same thing with clients. 20% of the people that I work with last year, how much did they do? And if you have a really great software, we use a software called Good Shuffle Pro. And on the uh, leaderboard or on the dashboard, there's a leaderboard down at the bottom that shows you here are the categories that have performed best. And you can toggle it by period of time. You can do um, last year, you can do the last six months, however you want to look at it. But there's an area where you can see your top clients, your top types of events, So you might even think I do, you know, corporate, wedding, social events, brand activations, a whole bunch of different categories of types of events. And so I can see how much did corporate events bring me and how much did weddings bring me and how much did social events bring me and it can show you these things. And so sometimes having a really great software where you have all of these um, categories and clients and revenue and all the pieces that make up your revenue at the end of the day to tell you those things, running reports versus just getting scratch paper and trying to figure it out uh, manually can be really helpful. And so for those of you that don't have a software, Good Shuffle Pro is our favorite when it comes to event rentals. But even places like HoneyBook or 17 Hats or some of these other softwares that we all use, even if you use QuickBooks Online, you can set up your accounting to show you what categories or what people are spending the most with you. And so if you have a software, you should be able to figure out somehow, some way. You might even ask your software developers, how do I find out this information? You should be able to pull that pretty quickly um, based on the software that you have. So just a couple notes to add on to what you just said. I love that. I mean, that's such, um, such great wisdom there, Cam. And I would just add that, you know, because I'm all about simplicity. So, you know, Cam has all the great software and has it all together but if you're listening to this and feeling kind of overwhelmed because you're not quite you know there yet stop and think or stop and ask your team you guys probably know a lot of these answers already you probably know which couch keeps getting rented out right or somebody on your team knows that so don't let yourself get bogged down in analysis paralysis of like well as soon as we get that report then we'll be able to move forward with this you know done is better than pending so coming up with a plan moving forward just remind yourself like 
you're going to get more profit if you can, you know, Excel the pizza. And this is just one more way to do that. Focusing in on what has sold well, um, you know, whether it's, you know, clients or, you know, lounge areas or whatever that is, knowing that and taking charge of that and being like, okay, so what could I do to make that occur again? And how could I make that occur even just a little bit bigger, right? Like even if you got one more slice of pizza, that's a profit. That's what we're talking about here. If everything else remains the same, then any increase in our pizza is going to help. So um, yeah, I just love that, Cam. That's awesome. So um, so try one of those four strategies that I talked about. So there's something to think about. And then let's go on to our third strategy um, for, you know, how in the world could I have gotten some pizza? So I could have gotten some pizza by just giving less to the kids. So what that is, is controlling our expenses in the business. And I'm going to give you two ideas for this. The first um, is called The Latte Factor, and that is a book written a long time ago. And what The Latte Factor says um, is that we all spend, you know, some small amount of money kind of continuously, mindlessly, and it adds up. And his example in this book was lattes. And he was like, oh, you know, if you buy a Starbucks latte every day for $5, you know, then over the year, you could have invested it and blah, 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 whatever. Um, but the, my takeaway from that, because, you know, I'm always about simple is like, is there something that I am spending money on in my business that is kind of my mindless yes? You know, like I'm like, eh, it's inexpensive. That's how it typically is. But I say yes a lot. And, and I'll just be honest with you and share my latte factor in the hopes that it will encourage you, Cam, and your listeners to think about and discover their latte factor. So my latte factor, I say every day I have two non-negotiables. One is to laugh and the other is to learn. So I love to learn. So I am the quickest yes ever to a course, a book, a coach. Yes, yes, yes. I would love to do that because I'm all about shortcuts to success. And that is a shortcut to success. And what I found was I was buying all of these courses and not ever getting around to doing them. So I have a rule for myself because I established that that was my latte factor. And I have a rule now that I do not allow myself to buy a course unless I will calendar doing it and implementing it. So it's made me so much better because I'm spending less money on courses, but I'm getting so much out of them because I immediately actually calendar them and do them. So they're becoming better expenses for me because I actually am getting you know, my worth out of them, but also it's decreased how much I spend because literally when I'm like, oh, I need to learn that. I have to stop and be like, you may need to learn that, but are you willing to put it on your calendar? Because, you know, time is a non-renewable resource. So I have to really think about that. Do you, do you know your latte factor cam or do you think you have one? Oh gosh, mine is definitely time. Um, Time is money to me. I mean, at the end of the day, I've got time with my kids, time with 
my employees and my team members and time working and all of that. And so, um, gosh, there's so many things, energy drinks on a, like a normal basis. I am a sucker for a good energy drink, which is terrible for my health, but, um, tastes so delicious. And so we decided at home, we were not going to go to Dutch Bros every day, but instead we'll go to Costco and get a 24 pack and we'll buy some of the syrups that maybe go in the delicious, um, energy drinks from Dutch Bros and make it at home every once in a while instead of going and buying it for, you know, $7 yes. a piece at Dutch Bros. And so, I mean, that's very similar to a latte or a coffee or, yeah. or something like that, which in the book, because I've read the book as well, it says um, if you are going to Starbucks every day, you're spending $5 a day in Starbucks coffee. I can't remember what the amount was at this moment in time, but if you're spending $5 a day, go buy yourself a nice espresso machine and make it at home. Yeah. And you're going to save so much more money doing it that way. And so um, you can apply that to your business through software. Software really adds up. Mm-hmm. And um, because there's typically not one software that satisfies all of your needs, meaning it sa- satisfies your clocking in and clocking out, your invoicing, your products, your website, your marketing. There's not one that does everything. Right. And you can argue with me all day long, but I can prove it back to you that there is not one software that powers all the things. And so if you look at your softwares and you add it all up and you figure out, am I actually spending money on this thing? Am I actually utilizing this? We got into that when we have our podcast here and we've got our online course and we've got um, the ability to record these episodes and we've got um, customers that rent from us and we've got floral and we've got clocking in and clocking out. We've got our website and we've got our blog and we've got all these different things. And so we had at one point 32 softwares that we were paying for. And some of them were five, 10 bucks a month. And some of them were a hundred bucks a month, but that combined was a lot. And so we looked at, okay, where are some ways that we can merge these softwares together? Maybe they don't perform at the um, peak if we were to have two separate ones, but it's saving us in the long run and we can still accomplish what we need to do for these things. And so one example was we were using Captivate to do an RSS code for a podcast, which if you don't know podcasting, you have to have this code and it makes it populate on Apple and Spotify and Google and all these places. So we were paying 20 bucks for that. We were paying $300 a month for Kajabi, which is where we have all of our online course and our resources and all of that hosted. You're paying $10 a month for Wave, which is a um, way to create graphics and videos and put little things on top of them. Um, We are playing for Zencaster, which is what we're recording on right now, which is 20 bucks a month. And so when we added all these things up in just producing the education side of the business, we were able to see, okay, well, Kajabi also does this. And so let's cut out that software and put it over here and um, we don't necessarily have to have a way for this. We can do that on Planoly or on Canva. And okay, what about this one? Let's um, move this over here. And so now we're at a place where we're not paying for 32 softwares. We're paying for about 18 softwares because our company does more than just rent product out. We also have podcasts and online course and all these things with our company. But 
Um, that is our latte factor is the softwares that you pay for a company. Again, unfortunately, there's not just one software that can perform and make your business run 100%, but we have to have different ones. But don't bankrupt yourself in softwares. Yes. I just love that, Cam. And I love that you already knew the answer for what your latte factor is. I think, you know, we all have a latte factor personally and in our business and just, you know, recognizing that and, and it will shift over time, you know, so what, you know, our latte factor is today may change. Um, but just being aware of that. And one thing that people will ask me is like, well, what if my latte factor is actually bringing me joy? And I'm like, well, then it's really not a latte factor you know, that you should complete. Point on what yes. Latte factor yes. Is. Yeah. Like, so, you know, the energy drinks bring you joy. The learning brings me joy, but it doesn't bring me joy to, you know, spend money that I'm not getting full use out of. So just being, you know, being mindful to evaluate, you know, not get rid of things, just, you know, I'm not saying never have a latte or never have an energy drink, but I am saying evaluate that um, because it all adds up. Um, Okay. So my second um, tip on how to give kids less pizza so that um, we can help wrap wrap up all my tips um, is to go on a treasure hunt. And this is something all my clients love this. I mean, come on, who wouldn't want to go for a treasure hunt for cash? So I encourage you to, um, get out your business bank statement and your business credit card statement. And you're going to get that online because this is how the world works these days. I don't know if anybody has paid for anything. So if you're going to go online anyway, I would love for you to run it for um, three months, you know, longer if you feel like it. And this is something you can do while you are um, so printed out. Um, and then you can do this while you're watching tea. So you can be sitting with, um, you know, your kids on a Friday night and, you know, when the commercials come, you can do this little exercise. So you're going to take every expense and you are going to categorize it in one of three ways. You are either going to put a check mark, a question mark, or an X. And what that is, is we are going to evaluate every expense, whether we need it right now for our business. If you need it, put a check mark next to it. If it is nice to have, you enjoy having it and you use it in your business, but it's not necessary, then put a question mark by it. If it's something that you're like, I still pay for that right? Because we all have those recurring subscriptions. Mm -hmm. Or you just go, wow, I really, I'm just not using that anymore. That becomes a not necessary. So you're going to put an X by that. So just go through that statement um, right quick. It won't take you long to do that. And then you're going to go back and with the S's, you know what I'm going to tell you, we're now going to cancel those. So, you know, it's, it's very easy to cancel expenses these days right? Like hit the um, cancel uh, subscription, go online, send the emails, whatever you need to do. But here's the thing. They may be small. It may be a $20 a month thing that you cancel. That's still $240 a year. And remember, we're just talking about increased profit. So do you want $240 to go for something that you don't use or do you want to keep $240? 
you want to keep it. So it doesn't matter how small it is. It's worth it to do this exercise. I ask my clients to do it quarterly and it's really super fun because you will find money. There's no one that doesn't find money. There's something that has changed. It used to serve us. This used to be a good expense for us. And now at this stage in our business, we're really just not using it. Um, so do that. And then the next step is you go back through that list again. And now we're looking at those question marks because once you've gotten excited about getting that extra money in your pocket by canceling those X, not necessary ones, go back through those question mark ones and make a decision. Are there any in here that actually I should go ahead and cancel? They're nice to have, but not necessary. But really, I think I can just cancel that subscription for right now. I'll renew it if I, you know, really need it. But let's just let's just go three months and see if I, you know, need it. Um, but so that's just a, it's a small thing. Nothing I'm telling you is, you know, rocket science because business finances don't need to be rocket science. It's as simple as um, the pizza idea. So. Um, yeah, I love the treasure hunt idea. And I'm I'm sure, Cam, knowing you, you've probably done something similar to that before. But it's it's just it's a game changer for finding small money and for keeping our focus on increasing profit. I love that. I think that's so important because we forget to do that because we're so busy doing all the other things. So this is a great reminder, not only for myself, but probably for others as well. I would love to wrap up by giving some homework to everybody so that you can walk yes, away with some action do. strategies. Okay. So um, my tips for you are like learning is good, but remember I told you, I don't let myself learn without doing, and I don't want you to do that either. So in order to increase profit, I gave you three strategies. So I'm going to ask you um, to consider three different action steps. The first one is to make that decision about um, taking the first slice of pizza. So to make the decision to set aside money for profit. And literally, I tell people I would move it to another account or if you use reserve accounts, move it to a reserve account. Set that aside because it will change your mindset. And the first step to making significant changes in life in any area is having that mindset change and the action step of actually moving that profit is key. So that would be one action step that I would encourage you. Um, And along those lines, if you want to read the book Profit First, I do encourage you to read that book. I'm sure Cam can put a link to that in the show notes. But so the second step that I would encourage you is to um, upsize your pizza on the revenue, I gave you four different ideas. The idea soup, the creative principle, using referrals or upsells. Pick one of those. Pick one of those strategies. Write that down and be like, this is the one that I am going to start with first. So pick one of those. Um, third action step that I would love for you to do is, you know, limit the pizza that we give to the kids. So that's decrease your expenses. So either Decide that you're going to figure out what your latte factor is and um, make a plan for what you're going to do when the latte factor comes up or um, do the treasure hunt. If you implement any of these, you are going to see an increase in profit. But 
What I would love for you to do is now that you have looked at that list of those three things that you just said, I would like you to commit to yourself to do at least one of those in the next week. Because now you've, now you've heard us talk, you've been motivated, you can go back and listen again to the pieces of this, but do it, do it. Actually, we're not asking for perfect, we're asking for progress, but this is how you're going to increase your profit one tiny bit at a time. I give you lots of little examples of ways to do it. So you can then pick the next example the next time, right? Like there's all these different ways, but taking these steps is going to get you motivated and it just becomes contagious. And that's my favorite. And the last step that I would say is connect with me. I always love that. I'm like, y'all come find me. Ask me questions if you, um, if you, you know, have a question once, um, once I've met you and I feel like I've met you through Cam, through this podcast, um, I always love to get to know people. So, you know, come find me. Let me know what latte factor you found for yourself. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, my website's victoryadvisory.com. I, you know, I would love to hear from you. Cam's um, listeners, you guys are the best. I've been blessed and privileged to be on Cam's podcast. Um, a few times now. So thank you so much for that, Cam. I always love talking to your audience. And I will say your audience, um, they're rock stars. I hear from them all the time that they're implementing the things that uh, I've talked about with you. So that makes me excited and happy. And um, that means, you know, connect with me because it's fun to be friends. And also, I would love to cheer you on as you increase your profit. Yes. And we'll have all of her links to follow her and um, get in touch with Christy in our show notes below. So check those out. And thank you so much. Gosh, it has been such a joy to talk with you, Christy, today. And I can't wait for people to listen to this episode. Thanks, my friend. It's been awesome.